Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to The Playful Musician. I'm your host, Steve. And as you probably realize, this show is starting out differently than previous episodes, and that's for a very important reason. And I'll get to that. But first, I want to introduce my guest this week, pianist Alexander Tutnoff, widely recognized as one of the most outstanding virtuoso pianists coming from the former Soviet Union. He's performed throughout Europe, China, Mexico, and the U.S., and uh, is a professor of piano and an artist-in-residence here at Southern Oregon University in Ashland, Oregon. In our interview, he talks about moving away from his home at the age of six to go study in Moscow and how that influenced him. He talks about the teacher's the great teachers that he had and how that impacted his playing in his life, how the trombone saved him from fighting with the Soviet Union military in Afghanistan. And he talks about this time, this unprecedented time, and how he and his colleagues are managing during this period. So there was no intro music, and I wanted to make this show a little different. And um, this week, another, yet another black man was shot and um so in honor of jacob jacob blake uh who was shot in the back four times by a police officer a white police officer this past week and jacob is likely going to be paralyzed he was shot in front of his children as he was going back to his van and um this is horrifying this what's happening in our country to black people is horrifying and tragic and saddening and maddening. And I encourage you to take action. I encourage you to write your officials, your local officials, your state officials, your federal officials, and demand that changes be made. And I also encourage you to support organizations that you feel strongly about, such as Black Lives Matter or Color of Change. Uh, Vote with your dollars. And also, in this election year, it is super important that you vote, and you vote early, as soon as you can vote, as if your life depended on it. So in honor of Jacob Blake in in particular, I'm going to start off the show by playing the complete uh, prelude by J.S. Bach, a arranged by Salati and is performed by Alex. And I think it's very appropriate for what's happening right now. But before that, there will be seven seconds of silence to mark the seven bullets that were fired at Jacob. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, keep active, and above all, love one another. Thank you.
Alex. Thanks for being on the show. Finally. Finally. Welcome to the stars. Yes. I'm very honored. Oh, thank you. It was, uh, I'm really grateful that you said yes. And I know I've been bugging you for a while, but I also know you're a busy guy. So I tend uh, to blame my schedule for a lot of things. <laughs> I was thinking that it was a, a year ago that I did that. I, rec I think it was just about a year ago. I recorded the first one with Terry. Um, and then so much as what was interesting is that that was pre pandemic <laughs> and then they released, I released them after that. And so it's like Martin and Terry go back and listen to theirs and they're like, Oh, that we had such a different perspective of the world right then. And, right. and now of course our perspectives have changed dramatically. How has, can you talk about how that's changed in terms of like performances you had scheduled or how, what's going on with your teaching now with the, since this all started? Wow. Can we talk about something more pleasant? No, <laughs> but no, no, I'm kidding. Um, frankly, it, it's, it's very odd, but I do picture, or at least I used to picture a musician or an artist away from politics. I mean, in my professional circles, we were trained to refrain from commenting on something we're not experts. Hmm. And, you know, in retrospect, that was probably very smart. But then again, I could express an opinion and it wouldn't be endorsed by anybody and I'm not endorsing anybody. Still... I would say a true artist should um, read a lot and educate and continue to grow. But I don't feel that a true artist should be right there with the headlines of all of the major newspapers mm -hmm. every day of the week. Right. Talk about the conventions and things, but rather exist in the world that's created the music uh, by the musicians of the past and the mm. present and brew in those juices because mm. the mission of the musician is to share that whether we're the, whatever it's conductors of this material to make everybody feel the break from the everyday frustrations and yeah. stress in life. Similar, so away from politics, away from the pandemics, if you will. Unfortunately, when you realize that it's an integral part of your life, everyday life, you have two choices. You can get bitter and go in a holding pattern and see where the world mm. ends up and then re-enter the world. So like a cocoon, the hibernation right. state. And many of my colleagues actually are hibernating right now. Yeah. Any, uh, the, the number of other uh, camp members amongst my colleagues took this in a, as an opportunity mm -hmm. and extremely active mm. uh, performance wise. There's one particular one who, since April 1st or whatever it happened, yeah. yeah. Um, I think for a month, 
he played each day a different program. Wow. <laughs> That's a monstrous task. Like how long of a pro? Like 90 minutes? At least an hour. Wow. But it de dependent on the uh, length of the particular pieces, like he went through all the Beethoven 32 piano sonatas and hosted them out of his house. Mm. And of course the piano went out of tune. So you could <laughs> know that the, the guy was just self-isolating. But I think it's a heroic act. Mm. However, did he or did he not do the service? Because he sent a powerful message that the art is free and anybody can tune in and yeah. listen to it. And so in that case, you know, he's a star and a hero. But then he's out of food in his pantry. <laughs> right. So, and many other colleagues, um, unfortunately, you know, are living um, a very difficult reality right now. Yeah. Whether they're physically ill or whether just um, they're struggling. Yeah. But then again, um, early on, one of my first professors said, if you can do anything other than music, then run and do that. Go do it. <laughs> if you cannot not do music, yeah. then stick around, prepare for, you know, sometimes a difficult existence. But again, you exist to make music. And right. I'm okay with that. Right. Which camp do you find yourself in? Are you more in the the um, sort cocoon. of cocooning pay place, or are you more in the oh, this gives me an opportunity to now do some things that I've always that are kind of on my wish list? I tend to blame my upbringing <laughs> and being you know a child of the socialist Soviet system mm -hmm. when I was always told what to do. <laughs> I find myself at a loss. Mm. I have projects that didn't take place and um i had a choice of you know getting drunk on every <laughs> night where i was supposed to play recital but didn't yeah. and i can give you a long list of countries i haven't visited this summer sure yeah and um tell you how many vouchers for my unused uh Airfare, air miles. <laughs> air miles. It's yeah, it's in the hundreds. Uh, of, wow, uh, it's over a hundred thousand actually. Wow. Yeah, uh, usually summers I stop working at the university, my day job, and that's for reflection, self growth, and networking. Lots of festivals in yeah. Europe, China. Hmm. I visit uh, who is left of my family in the old country, hmm. and. Um, it's a fulfilling and a rewarding, very tiring I bet. summers. This summer, I got to know my family. <laughs> they re suddenly remember how I look. <laughs> so it's not from the mother's tales about right. the father. So I see this as a beneficial opportunity, type to reflect. But if I had to choose, it's more of a cocooning yeah. stage. I see my life through the different eyes mm. and I see my colleagues and friends through different eyes Yeah, and uncertainty that is ahead of us doesn't scare me as much mm -hmm. because 
I think we can all contribute to the changing world. Yeah. And if you're not stressed and if you're not starting your day with jumping and reading the news feed, <laughs> you're more independent yeah. in many ways. Yeah. Do you find that if you don't have a concert or a program in front of you, do you find it challenging to sit down and practice? I gave myself an unreasonably big break. <laughs> um, I could blame the pandemic, but I think I just needed a break. Sure. And there is a famous quote from Rubinstein, mm -hmm. a famous pianist. He said, if I don't practice a day, I notice it. When I don't practice two days, my friends notices it. And then uh, three days, it's when my audiences begin to notice it. So it's a self-discipline and keeping yourself in shape is a way of life. Mm -hmm. In my teaching, there's just pretty much every year I get somebody, a new recruit who will say, oh, I want to be like you. It's fun. <laughs> Travel, play concerts and go and see places and eat exotic foods <laughs> and get a crap load of money and laugh all the way to the bank. <laughs> they don't see the the kitchen part of right. it. Yeah. And they usually don't stick sure. with music. I'm always honest with uh, my students uh, uh, whenever I get to speak to people in my travels. Hmm. I don't want to sound complaining. There's another favorite quote of mine. I say it beats coal mines, you know. <laughs> Plus, I probably Ditch wouldn't digging. love, yes, I wouldn't love that line of work. Mm. But I find this challenge uh, very rewarding. Yeah. So I, like in a few minutes ago, I mentioned that um, if I could not uh, not do music, that's what drove me to music. Now I find myself having uh, oh, actually drawn to the piano. Oh. There's another bizarre theory. I just wanted to introduce sure. it early on and then forget about it. <laughs> but again, I don't know if I... I don't think I've read it anywhere. Uh, my mind and maybe they'll come and, you know, <laughs> lock me up after this. They're knocking on the door. <laughs> <laughs> right. There, there's like two sides of uh, an artist mind, I yeah. would like to think. There's an ATM mind, what I call, that's the mind that uh, uh, helps you go and withdraw some money and go grocery shopping and mm -hmm. then turn on the good tune and then, yeah. you know, have a glass of wine and go to sleep. And then there's this pendulum of this creative mind. And you don't remember when you ask those questions. You even forgot that you had those questions, but it's brewing. And it could be days or weeks. It could wake you up in the middle of the night. Mm. Oh, here's the answer. It could <laughs> manifest in the form of a dream, yeah. in the form of a tune. You have an urge to go and play that particular piece that you hadn't touched for like 14 years. Yeah, I think that pendulum swings... Uh, almost like uh, I can't control it. Yeah. 
and that's where also this this spirit of practicing come in because I had a wonderful friend, a composer friend. Mm. He said, there's a moment when the force picks you up <laughs> and you're levitating above the piano and like all your juices go to your arm and to your fingers and yeah. to the lead of the pencil and then it <laughs> spills on the music and you just have zero control over yeah. it. I, I know people be like, yeah, right. <laughs> but it does exist. Yeah. I firmly believe this. I actually yeah. believe more now than, say, 25 years ago. Ah, that's awesome. I'm inspired. So is, are, have, during this period, have you had that experience where you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, I want to go play that piece? Yeah. Which, which piece was it? Boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just curious. Well... Sometimes when I think of the program or sometimes when I think of the things uh, that are left on my bucket list, yeah. it's huge. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty much uh, destined to live at least 250 more years uh, <laughs> according to my bucket list. But um, what woke me up recently, interestingly enough, was... Uh, uh, Robert Schumann's first piano sonata, mm. which he also subtitled, I think it's Concerto without an orchestra. Mm. Um, I studied it and I broke my teeth, my artistic teeth. Oh, okay. And then, <laughs> yeah, trying to bite a big bite off. Yeah, it. yeah. Because I was young and cocky. <laughs> and then I opened it again and it humbled me. And then, uh, then I said, I was still arrogant. I said, I don't have time for this. <laughs> and then this not, and now it woke me up. It said, time. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just such a clear vision. Oh. The whole music, I mean, I didn't know I had it memorized. It wasn't a whole sonata. It's like close to 40 minutes long. Mm. But the, two, the themes, I start humming it, and then I'm like, what am I humming? <laughs> so... Which movement what came to you first? Or It's interesting. It's knocking on the door. It's part of the uh, first movement. There's... Maybe that's how uh, nowadays the time sounds. I don't yeah. know. Interesting. Unrest. Right. Trying to know what's what's ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, um, so you were you were six years old, <laughs> and you go leave your home, and you go to Moscow. Wow, what sources are you using? <laughs> that is true. So uh, what, like. Was that a frightening experience as a six year I, I think I would be, if I was six years old and moved away, 500 miles away from my family <laughs> to, I mean, I guess you, you could either be super excited. But I, I know I would have been probably petrified. Terrified. But Well, so a few side notes. Okay. Number one, um, it is true. Um, 
I did go to Moscow. Well, it's not 500 miles away. It's okay. 450 miles away. <laughs> okay. That changes it, right? So Dramatically. Yes. <laughs> so, like I went to, Portland, basically. to try um, and see if I'd be the chosen one mm. in some ways. So, I was conditioned. Of course, I, I knew very little uh, about how the world worked. My mom tricked me. She said, uh, if I do a good job, I get to go to the zoo and see, like, animals. <laughs> of course I wanted to go to the zoo. <laughs> Dirty trick, actually. <laughs> but so I really played my heart out. I had to play a program in order to audition. They auditioned 200 kids, and they accepted three. So that was wow. made clear. And I already alluded um, earlier... Uh, that we didn't really question a lot. Yeah. Uh, we knew that there were special schools for athletes and soccer players mm -hmm. and gymnasts and ballerinas. Yeah. And um, it was a great centralized system. Yeah. So I started probably at four. And turns out my mom, actually, I talked to her recently about it. She says that we tried out at five and they just told go back and come back in a year. And so we came back. We had a history mm -hmm. of visits. And um, it was a boarding school, which means that there were 80 of us, and I think we had 230 people on staff. Wow. <laughs> which means there was someone, when we were taking showers, and they would uh, make sure that we scrubbed our heels. <laughs> I remember. And then I got to know that person, that lady who was there. We were like up to the third grade or something yeah. like that. She was a niece of Dostoevsky's. Oh, wow. For example, that school reported to the Ministry of Culture. Mm. And the rest of the schools in the Soviet Union reported to the Ministry of Education. But we had our own agenda. Mm. We started foreign languages at the second grade. We uh, we were dancing. We did the Eurythmics. Well, our first solfege teacher was Kabaleski. Mm. It was an opportunity. <laughs> and actually, in all the truth, my grandma, bless her heart, she is a saint. Mm. We, Our family, of course, no family in Russia had money yeah. back in the, you know those dark days, but she uh, rented like a little room in exchange for like doing chores for this lady, mm. and uh, she stayed almost two years to make sure. So all of the teachers were saying, "How come you you live in the in the dorm and like you're." Shirts are white and starched and <laughs> ironed, and I'm like, I don't know, you yeah. know. So, but I stood out maybe a little bit, but still, there were brilliant teachers. There were uh, people on staff who cooked for us. Mm -hmm. There were people on staff who took us to the Bolshoi Theater like weekly, wow. and the Great Hall of Moscow Conservatory like every other day. Mm. Um, we had a special 
uh, guy dedicated who would come in at seven o'clock and do a, like a little ten minute workout with us. Yeah, it was really an incredible opportunity. Mm. And then also we were a collection of freaks. <laughs> we didn't know it because you know a yeah. favorite pastime be like gather around an open score of some opera and just read through it like. Uh, 10 kids, you know, yeah. around the piano and playing and right. singing the choruses and <laughs> stuff and studying operas. I have probably, you know, a dozen operas that I pretty much memorized. Because of that. Yeah, I was a sponge. We all were sponges. Kids are right. sponges. Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't know there was other way to spend a time. Sure. And everybody had perfect pitch. Everybody had, like, photographic memory, you know. It was fun. We had like contests who can memorize the Tchaikovsky concerto the <laughs> fastest, you know. Wow. Somebody did it like in eleven hours straight, you know, <laughs> something like that. In retrospect, it's crazy, yeah. crazy stuff. But we didn't know otherwise. So if yeah, I'm just struck that So no time to be petrified. Right. I imagine I missed home, but the very fact that um we didn't report to the Ministry of Education. We could work out our own calendar, mm -hmm. school schedule. And if a lot of kids get homesick, we just say, oh, Moscow had a case of flu. Let's shut down the school for a week and everybody go home. Wow. So we just like did that. And Moscow, of course, at the time was like 13 million people, you know. So it was easy to find somebody with a flu, you know. Right. So. so it sounds like you had very full days and maybe there wasn't a lot of opportunity to really miss home too much. They made sure to keep us busy. There were, <laughs> I know it sounds, it sounds like some <laughs> horror movie, but we were required to practice for three hours and we were locking ourselves in this little cells with a piano mm -hmm. And in the hallways, which we were like two blocks from the Kremlin, so some very 250-year-old building that was very historical mm -hmm. that was given to us wow. as a dorm. So long hallways where like the assistant professors of Moscow Conservatory were marching in the hallways, making sure that we practice correctly and that the practicing... The, the playing oh. still happening. And if it isn't, they open the door, you know, and make sure that we're practicing. Right. And if we're playing the wrong notes, they correct us. So even the practice was uh, supervised and right. gently stirred. They, those people who helped us practice, we, of course, we hated them at the time, <laughs> but they're like household names in the industry mm. also, even those people. How so, would they? How would they help you practice? I'm curious if you. Well, like, what would they do? They would you? knock on the door, say, "You keep practicing this too fast. <laughs> you don't think between the passages." And so we're like, you know, nine-year-olds. Yeah. It's like what? <laughs> well, think, stop. The practicing happens between the repetitions, not right. during the repetitions. You know, right? Often. So they're telling, so, encouraging you to pause. 
for example, yeah. or to slow down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those are old methods, but yeah. <laughs> they seem to work. You know? Yeah, they do. And They're my effective. response, I see this. I remember, uh, like, me teach? I don't think so, because uh, I have nothing to say. <laughs> and I discovered I had a lot to say, because it was instilled in me at an early age. Yeah. It was very natural to me. And then I was like, hmm, I guess not everybody thinks the way I think. Were you guys required to sing? Did you do any singing? For sure. This is also rooted with the Russian school of uh, playing any instrument. And it could be summed up, <laughs> if you can't sing it, it ain't no music, basically. Right. Uh, then there is a quote from Rachmaninoff, which I absolutely love, uh, very much in the Russian style. <laughs> he said, small musician, small phrase. Big musician, big phrase. <laughs> That's <laughs> devastating. Yes. <laughs> but very true. If yeah. you can connect a longer group of notes, yeah. you, you're going to come ahead. Did you get, was there a choir or was it mainly just like... Our choir director was, I, I just found a mention of him. He is like thinking about retiring from the Spanish National Choir Directorship. Mm. His name was Jose Petrovich, <laughs> and we didn't think much about it, but his real name was Jose Pedro Felipe. He came in 1938 when the Franco came, so he was displaced by the World War II. Yeah. And uh, he was already, I guess, somewhat experienced uh, at the choir singing. But by the time I joined the school, he ran the choir Mm. from first to the fourth grade. We had a really cool choir. Mm. We probably recorded some soundtracks because, you know, all the kids were, you know, a perfect pitch. Sure. We were very uh, conveniently located. Yeah. If there was a dignitary like Nixon came, for example, and they shut down the Moscow, they would surround the downtown, but we'd be inside. <laughs> and they will be like, oh, we need some kids waving American flags. So the <laughs> schools shut down. We're like, you know, hoarded on the street, you know. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> waving well, PR, PR pictures and stuff. So you had singing. That's, that's Singing, awesome. eurythmics, uh, orf instruments, mm-hmm. solfege, dictations, um, wow, music literature. But again, we were part of, oh yeah, drama too. Mm. Um, started learning German from the second grade. Um, and as I understand, at the expense of geometry and physics, which was taught, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> and the teacher, I still remember, <laughs> the physics teacher gave me a B minus or something and said, you know, you're you're a nice fellow, but just don't go into physics. Don't go ahead. Do me a favor, yes. So, that was eighth grade, bro. Yeah. That was the end of physics. I think we were at down the end of eighth eight, grade, pretty much. Wow! Because from nine through eleven, all the schools were ten K through ten or one through ten, 
and um, ours was one through eleven, but we basically got a bachelor's degree at the end of the school because right. it was specialized. The last four years was chamber music, and already many kids, you know, enter, yeah. entered entered competitions and recorded. My first LP recording was probably in the sixth grade. Wow! Played like some Bach conventions. In the fourth grade, I had my debut with the National Symphony playing Greek concerto. I still don't know how I did it. I can't play it now. <laughs> but because we didn't know otherwise, yeah. that was a very cool way yeah. of learning. It's just like learning to swim by complete immersion. Sure. And I guess that maybe it didn't, it didn't um, dawn on you until much later in life. Like It seems like that was a very privileged childhood growing up in Russia to be in that environment and I mean, there could have been a, a multitude of other environments for sure that you could have been in and that one like you kind of had a golden ticket I still can't believe how lucky I was so in retrospect everything that happened to me there there was a fair amount of betrayal from friends and from superiors mm. and stabbing in the back, which, you know, is pretty common in the industry, too. Yeah. But I ended up, I think, way ahead. Mm. Just, again, just because I tried to, like, stick with music, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I still have to go to the military and all that stuff, you know. Right, so you go... <laughs> Which was a lousy system. Two years with no piano. They invested, uh, what, 13 or so years in uh, in me, you know, making right. those fingers sing and <laughs> run so fast, and then they just give me a right. machine gun, and the Kalashnikov. Eight, how old were you, 18? I was supposed to be. I dodged, like, three drafts. <laughs> so I was 19 and a half when I was drafted. Events. And you were in there for two years, and this was when you got when uh, Russia was in Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. So that was a real threat, but you got around that by playing the trombone. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, trombone may have saved my life. Right, and I'm very proud to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a trombone? No. <laughs> you should have one up on your wall. Like I have a life <laughs> instead. <laughs> no, no. I had to choose at some point. Yeah. Trombone or life. Right. First it was life or trombone, and then it was trombone or life. Right. I regained my life back. Yeah. And uh, I have fun memories of playing trombone. What was it like coming out of the military and then, like, the first, like, coming back to the piano? Where Was it, like, was it exciting? Was it, like, oh, am I going to remember? <laughs> like... I was pretty angry. Yeah. Because, of course, I also dug a good amount of uh, ditches. We laid cable also yeah. as a, at our unit. And um, so I don't think I ever played as well as I played before mm. the service. Because of the handwork? Yeah, that you did? scars, internal scars, probably all the. Yeah, the. The finesse was gone. Yeah. The control, and of course, for a piano player, for any musician, ability to control, yeah. uh, the, control the touch, for a violinist, control the bow. I guess all the 
minute fine motions movements yeah i i have a better idea than i can demonstrate now so but what, yeah. it doesn't bother me yeah here's alex playing an excerpt from rachmaninoff's etude tableau opus 39 is something that baffles me about the piano so you could sit down we could plop you in front of 10 different pianos and you would sound like you you would sound like alexander sudanoff and we could take uh any other pianist same thing put them in 10 different pianos it's like you listen to horowitz you know it's horowitz you listen to rubens you know you know but it's them, and it's like, how does that, like, it's a hammer hitting a string. Like, what I'm always, impre- what impresses me greatly about yourself and many other great pianists is how your voice can come through from a, per- a hammer hitting a st- Yeah, you know, you're not going to hurt my feelings. You can call it a percussion instrument, yeah. <laughs> because it is in many ways. If you, this is another bizarre tangent. Do we have a time for a tangent? Sure, go for it. <laughs> and again, I don't know where it's going to take us. Sure. It's a stream of conscience. Yeah. But um, for years and years, the way the science developed, um, everything was focused on the material things. And so we split a molecule and discovered their atoms or whatever they're right. called. Yeah. And then those the like electrons neurons, and electrons, and protons. And then so there's vacuum in between. So in some ways, that's a dead end of the knowledge. Hmm. Um, however, there are... I read some random articles on the Facebook. That's a source of, you know, my knowledge anymore. Um <laughs> That they discovered that the trees communicate with each other. Yeah. They're not sure how. Yeah. So there's some chemical thing. Then they say, well, you know, the cells of the human body look a whole lot like the pictures that we get from distant galaxies. And so there are connections. There are Fibonacci yeah. numbers yep. uh, that exist <laughs> in the real nature. And that's where I see this non-material 
not so easily quantifiable uh, element, yeah. then I was so fortunate to see live Horowitz and other pianists who, Richter, of course, uh, many times, um, people come to me and they say, oh, we listen to Richter and we don't like it. I said, you should have seen the performance. <laughs> there was something you just can't yeah. experience on the highest quality recording. Right. Something's lost. So then you're working for a microphone is one thing. Yeah. You're working for live audience. It's another thing. You're, I mean, you can't please the microphone and the person in front of you equally. Right. Then what is it? The search continues. So this magnetic, what magnetism, like animal magnetism, yeah. What? Yeah. why is one dog, you know, <laughs> wag its tail and one isn't, yeah. and why don't some animals or <laughs> humans don't get along? Was it pheromones, smells? There's a lot to be discovered. Music <coughs> comes in um, very handy. And touching, yes, if you measure with a oscillograph, or whatever. Stenography, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry, excuse that's me. That's all right. Um, uh, a sound of the piano that's caused by a, a handle of an umbrella and the Rubenstein be exactly the same <laughs> right <laughs> and so you're right there right it's like it's almost like it's like magic to me like to hear singing come out of the um the piano and i'll the, the example that comes to mind for me that relates to you is i played i won't mention names but i played with an orchestra that played uh Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, and the it was a fine pianist. He was fine. He better be. <laughs> and then I heard you. I I was fortunate enough to be in the orchestra with you playing it with the Rogue Valley Symphony, and like you, it was no comparison. Like the way your voice, and it was distinctly your voice coming through, that was so beautiful and just so. Like just those runs, or just how smooth—I don't know. It's, it's to me, it's magic. What what brilliant pianists like yourself can do? Because, like me as a wind as a wind uh, musician, I get it. Like I know how I can finesse the wind. The wind. It's like the bow on the string. Right. It's not a hammer hitting. <laughs> anyway. No, you have a great advantage. Yeah. You can. Increase the volume after you hit the note. We, the pianist, can't. We right. just strike the string, and then the tone's going to die and right. decay. But I could have sworn in my life I've seen one or two pianists that were able to <laughs> grow the tone, whether whatever willpower. So, again, the yeah. tangent is almost over yeah. with... Um, the things we don't know, the things that are not quantifiable, um, and that brings us to competitions as well. Yeah. Who wins the competitions? Because <laughs> when everybody can play the notes perfectly and miss zero notes, and then how do you distinguish between those uh, who right. 
didn't miss any notes. Well, that's where the soul comes in. Yeah. And yeah, you could still say, okay, so those are the the hesitations between the notes. No, <laughs> I think um, there's a, another great quote. That's the last quote I'm gonna <laughs> do today. Um, they say that musical pieces from different eras are uh, the emotional snapshots. Mm. And even when you're looking at the paintings, you can judge what people were wearing, but not what they were thinking, what was right. going inside. And then suddenly you sit down and play Mazurka by Chopin, and you're in that time. Yeah. Then you have to tune in as a contemporary performer and try to become one to sense that. How you do it, I would say, unselfish way is the key to me. Mm. And I'm spilling my guts, all my secrets. Please don't <laughs> ever air it because people will suddenly figure me out. But um, it's to it's um, to make it about music uh -huh. and you being at a service. Yeah. Rather than making it about you and becoming more famous because you play this music. Right. That will make a world of difference. And I've seen it time mm. after time after time. And that's where you hear, uh, I think, a difference. Yeah. Including the Rhapsody in Blue. Yeah. And thanks, by the way, for a really <laughs> special compliment. <to laughs> Feeds my fragile ego. Well, I it I can tell you're a you're a passionate artist. You're a passionate musician. And you said I was just looking at what you said uh, from some interview that pa a quote you said was passion is, is contagious. <laughs> and um, how do you how do you teach? I'm curious how you teach that, or like how do you impart that to your students? Like you could have a student like we just met one of your students and. You know, I've never heard her play, but she could come in and play it like perfectly. But how do you draw that out of them? How do you like? I, I know for me, with my students, it's it's a it's one of the biggest challenges to really get them to express their passion through. Right. Well, some of this in the age too. Yeah. If it's you know a thirteen-year-old <laughs> who doesn't think it's cool to show any emotions right. or the other end of the spectrum and that's all they do is, you know, scream at their parents. Yeah. <laughs> Where does the music come in? This could be an escape. You find an individual key to a student. You try to treat them as a colleague with respect and that helps a great deal. Mm. Um, interesting. Yeah, so I have a student... Uh, to be unnamed, you know, what, five, six years ago, they graduated. Then I get an email a couple years later. They say, hey, Dr. Tudnov, uh, blah, 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 hope life's good. Uh, I decided to start teaching. Could you um, just give me a, uh, how do you teach? You know, <laughs> in an email, or maybe it was a text or right. something. How do like that. Oh, that upset me to no end, you know. So how do you teach? And then it's like going to a composer and say, how do you write fugues? 
So a great answer would be just like Bach, you know? <laughs> the question calls for the stupid question for a stupid answer. Right. However, yeah. how do you inspire? Again, it's unselfish. There are teachers I've seen, I call them the insecure teachers, mm. because they always have to prove the superiority. Mm-hmm. They say, oh my, what have they they done to you? Stick with me, I'll show you the way. I would say stay away from those types. Yeah. <laughs> if they say, um, if you do everything I tell you. So there's like my way or highway. Right. Teachers, the guru. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't, don't think so. I mean, you could spend a year, but yeah. then run. Yeah. Um, and that'd be helpful. And they're, you know, good old times. You mentioned all the pianists that you mentioned as, um, you know, high examples of individual yeah. styles. They are all the pianists of the past. Yeah. They were more individual. Yeah. Now it's becoming more and more, um, um, difficult to distinguish. Yeah. And yet now and again, there pops a pianist that, or a musician that usually say, Oh, that one. Yeah. What a clown or what a character. Oh right. my gosh. That really spoke to me. Yeah. And so then it's up to the pianist or a musician to uh, see which one they strike yeah. and stay attuned. There is a chemistry. You always feel the audience. Sorry, I'm jumping. No, no, that's fine. From subject to subject. Back to teaching. It's contagious. I could spend an hour <laughs> admiring one single phrase. And I don't care if they hate the experience, but I think they do. Um, there could be an hour in which we covered an hour and a half long piece. Because, you know, the music, there's repetitive. We just figure out the patterns, flip through three pages. Oh, the, that's where it comes back. So yeah. A, B, A, you know. Yeah. So the A, you know what to do. Uh, any questions? Goodbye. So... <laughs> There are kind of the outline lessons. There are lessons in admiration, which are not to be ignored Mm. because the student has to feed off of it until the next lesson and beyond. Yeah. Um, um, What else? How else do I teach? (sighs) What do you do when someone comes in and they, like, they play... Their interpretation, you're just like, but they're commit, like, if they're so committed to it, but, you, you know, do you have that experience where you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're doing it this way? <laughs> <laughs> All over. Yeah. Of course. And that's where that my way or highway yeah. comes in. I would likely say this is not the way I would play it, but that's why I would love it. Because if there was one perfect way to play it, <laughs> There'd be a CD of it. You just pop it in and, <laughs> and enjoy it. it. Yes. <laughs> oh, right. That's the joy of doing it yourself. Yeah. It's an ultimate high. Yeah. I mean, I would put it next to like other highs. <laughs> yeah. <know>? yeah. Easily, <laughs> without hesitation or above. Yeah. It's just so awesome. Did your teachers do that for you? Did they? Did they inspire you? Like it's, it seems like you're. Maybe your teachers at university, probably more so than 
when I was a teenager, I even tried to look like my teachers. I would get like the same kind of glasses and develop like the way of walking, uh-huh. which was hideous, you know, in retrospect, <laughs> this little shrimp trying to like walk. I grew my hair wild. I know. Don't laugh. <laughs> huge because my then teacher um, uh, had the hairstyle like that. Right. You know? So, I mean, do everything. And to me, that means that teacher had charisma. I don't remember what exactly happened in the lessons. I was in the sixth grade. Mm. But the teacher would get up from the chair and, like, kick me in the back (laughs) suddenly. And I'd be like, what is it for? But that would move me perfect and align everything. Uh, My playing apparatus, there was not a kick kick, but, like, a little little push, push, nudge. And everything is aligned. And I'm like, I'm no longer tired at the piano. My hands don't hurt. He was, he had an immense gift. Mm. Most of his teaching was moaning and growing. <laughs> it was nonverbal. Yeah. And yet, he would say some profound thing that some of them wouldn't surface in 10 years. But he would say, music, you know, this piece is like a boat. So get in it or push it off the shore. Right. And then it's not up to you. It'll take you where you need to be. Right. Let it happen. Right. I'm like, holy cannoli. (laughs) I mean, this is like pearl of wisdom. Right. Jeez. That's awesome. Um, Another landmark in your um in your trajectory so you 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 leave belarus and you come to texas so was that your first time to the u.s yeah yeah uh (laughs) well again my teacher recruited me from russia we were at the same festival together on the river what are you playing those the cruise the cruise yeah Recline of concertos. <laughs> You're dangerous. Your memory is like a steel trap. Oh, no, I just do my homework. <laughs> That's phenomenal. So, but um, yeah, I'm thinking. I like the way he played. Yeah, he evidently liked the way I played. He basically said, "I had a good career. I will never lie." Uh, about, you know, hard life I had in Russia. Yeah, we didn't have a lot of money. You know, I had to, you know, sometimes buy, you know, a bucket of onions and last make it last a week until the next salary, you know. But we were students. We were starving musicians (laughs) for crying out loud. Nothing wrong with a little onion diet. Sure. You know. (laughs) There are several ways to... You can pickle them, too. (laughs) Anyway... My Back grandfather to the... used to eat them like apples. Oof. <laughs> wow. Side note. Um, <laughs> so you guys were on this cruise. Yeah, right, on the Volga River. And then he uh, said, you know, you want to be my assistant? And so I'm like, yeah, right. Because people invited me to go and work with them abroad and that never amounted to anything. Sure. We spoke German because, like, he's... Schooling was in Austria, but he's a proud Oklahoman. Right. What was his name? Uh, Joseph Banowitz. I yeah. know it doesn't sound Oklahoman, but 
He was born and raised in the third generation from Ada, Oklahoma. Wow. Very proud. So he seemed ancient, ancient back then. <laughs> but then, like, I came to Texas and met his mom. So, mm. uh, which, again, the, the quality of life, you know, I yeah. met Van Clyburn's mother, too. And that's not because I'm that old, but because the quality of life here is... Has, yeah. was and has been uh, superior. Mm. So another blessing. Yeah. Um, I discarded the memory of that invitation. Yeah. And then two, three months later, there's a, a paper from University of North Texas saying you're invited, be a whatever teaching fellows for right. scholarship, blah. Uh, so all you need to do is pass the TOEFL exam. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't speak the language. Or you don't speak English. Yeah, small nuance. Right. Wow, it was just frightening, just frightening. I bet. So, but, but you did it, and then, so I'm curious, like, you, you land, let's see, where would you, I don't know, Dallas or... <laughs> And then you have to go north. You have to wherever you landed. You had to go north to. There's a Denton. Right. Well, no, no. I they picked me up. They picked you up. Yeah. And you're in, like, I, I imagine they couldn't be farther different, Belarus and Texas. Like, correct. <laughs> correct. Pretty like, staggering. Like, were you like? I mean, this is very stereotypical. Were you like, oh, am I gonna see like, cowboys? Or am I gonna like? <laughs> uh, well, I. I... I did my homework, so I expected cowboys, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I thought howdy was the actual word, you know? Howdy, And right. all y'all. All y'all. <laughs> all of that stuff. But um, seriously, again, I don't know if you've ever seen like a small birds uh, up close in person when you pick them up mm -hmm. and they just put like a little shield on their eyes. On their eyes, yeah. Like to mute the uh, reality and just pretend <laughs> they're like not that again that cocooning yeah i i just came and took it one step at a time and just like emerging from the soviet army i was angry that you know i wasted two years mm. and so i combined uh, the two years to follow, I returned to my observatory. And since I was drafted from the first year, and it's a five-year program, I combined second and third. I worked really hard. Mm. And then I combined the fourth and fifth. By that time, I made up the, the last two years. Mm. In Texas, I entered the doctorate and then I quickly realized that was another waste of time. So I dropped, took a six month off. Mm. So my entire time in Texas was like two years. Okay. But out of that six months, I took off and wrote a dissertation back in Russia. And in the doctorate. <laughs> Uh, what I'm saying, yeah. I collected the materials here, yeah. but I earned my doctorate um, in Russian, using all of the great 
uh, database and knowledge that they received in Texas. And with that, read it and approved and defended dissertation in six months. I spent three more months and got my degree in North Texas. I was done. Wow. So boom, uh, <laughs> was more efficient. But because, of course, still the struggle with language was yeah. pretty real. And yeah. you can only go this far with my uh, <laughs> adorable, irresistible looks, you know. <laughs> so I had to have some substance. So did I had you, to work hard. Did you get exposed? That's a big jazz school, North Texas. Yeah, it's Stan Canton. Did uh, you, were, was that your first kind of big exposure to jazz being there? Or? Well, I've always loved jazz. I just didn't know there was so many different kinds of jazz. <laughs> and back in Russia, I mean, I listened because it was not okay. I mean, it was frowned upon yeah. <laughs> at that point. Already, the, we're talking mid-80s. Yeah. Uh, so Spire Gyre, yeah, Earth, yeah. Wind and Fire, Tower Power, you know, uh, those were the influences. My brother is a very much a rock and roll head, mm. so everything, Beatle, the Beatles yeah. and Rolling Stones and Deep Purple. But he often he would force me to listen to it, and I just always <laughs> resisted. But he's you know, five yeah. years older, so he would like beat me up if I didn't <laughs> like it. So, and then I liked it, you know. Yeah. Again, I would go in a cocoon and, and reflect, and then right. I'm like, okay, I see the chord progressions, I mean, behind the screaming and loud right. guitars and stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of music, turns out. There's also a test of time for that yeah. music, yeah, as well as jazz. Right. So, yeah. It's just willing ability to um, listen and take it in. Then when I started traveling to China, you know, been there more than 20 times mm -hmm. for a different length of time. And again, I listened to their traditional opera yeah. and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> Sounds like a different language to me. Yeah. And then I'm like, but those guys... And girls. Yeah. That's how the Western music must sound to them. To them. They're steeped in that culture. And then to me become, you know, a virtuoso, an expert of a traditional Sichuan opera. <laughs> it's a fit. Wow. So I have an incredible respect mm. to the people who were not brought up in that idiom. In the Western tradition. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that goes for different genres as well, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Just Was North Texas, were you guys pretty segregated in terms of like the piano world and the classical worlds over here? And the I've never been there, so I don't know what. Well, 2,000 music majors should give you an idea. <laughs> It's like a city. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe 1,600, 1,800. They always compete with Indiana, two biggest right. schools. IU, yeah. Uh, but I had to gig. You know, I played in a piano bar to okay. get myself through school. And so Yellow Rose of Texas and Dr. Zhivago's <laughs> theme and all that stuff. It was an Italian uh, ristorante <laughs> in the heart of Denton, Texas run by a couple of Iranian guys 
that pretended to be Italians. I imagine there were a lot of illegal workers too. I mean, I didn't know anything. That is so funny. But they would pay me $35 a night and I would rake like another 70, 75 in tips. Tips. And you know, that what I'm talking about, 94 cents a gallon for uh, a gas, yeah. you know? <laughs> That's pretty know, good. I lament those good old days. Right. That wasn't. It was in the nineties, right. but it was in Texas. So. Right. <laughs> it's uh, a it's a wealthy state too. Yeah, there's a lot of money there. And here's Alex playing Franz Liszt's solo piano arrangement of Robert Schumann's dedication.
What was it like getting to meet Shostakovich? How? What? What was that? What was that situation? <laughs> I was too young. Oh, well, you were very young. Well, I was maybe seven, but he he lived in the building oh, okay. where I uh, performed in as a part of the concert, and I he see. happened to wander in <laughs> when I played, and then. It was just bizarre. People like push me to him, and I'm like, "Who are you?" And his voice was high pitched, and so he like pet my head, and it's like, "Oh, this boy is so talented. He must be Jewish or some <laughs> some whatever." I'm like, "What is Jewish?" I mean, I had no idea. Right. Like, so it was an encounter more than like meeting meeting. But um, I went to school with uh, his grandson. Because, like like I said, our school was like a freak collection. Mm. So everybody who's like anybody uh, musically or had connections studied in that school. I right. didn't have any connections, but by the time I was done, I probably had some connections. So I still enjoy some of them. That's how the Stutnoff Piano Series, that they have a piano concert series named after me. <laughs> you know, how is that for, like, <laughs> ego booster? That's awesome. That's awesome. So I... I did see him. I did uh, attend some of the conversations. But he died when I was eight. So yeah. it was a very brief exposure. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kavlevsky lasted longer. He was one of the teachers at that right. school. But, um, did you have? Did you interact with him? Yeah, I a... was in his class. Okay, solfege, you know, ear oh, training. Solfe yeah, that's right. You and the that. orphan instruments. And we had to produce... Uh, concert version of the second act of uh, Orpheus, the opera by Gluck. We were like little <laughs> third graders, you know, and we had to delegate who's singing whose part and right. all that stuff. Wow. Orpheus was, you know, a castrati, so <laughs> anybody could sing his part in the third grade. You know? Right. Hit those notes pretty easily. Yeah. Um, Two uh, two other things I want to touch on. One is, do you have, so you do solo, you do chamber, and you do orchestral. Do you have a, a favorite of those three? You know, did you, well, no, I, okay, sorry. Backing up, you did ask which piece had manifested right. lately, and yes. I had to name one. Yes. Because you just, you cornered me there. <laughs> Normally, I avoid uh, a direct answer. Okay. <laughs> Not that my presenters are going to hear and get all like worked up about it, <laughs> but like like I said, we don't know. Yeah. If you say what's my favorite composer, I'll never give you the answer. Right. When well, it could change. It's too. if I uh, if I were to give a cute answer, I would say it's the one I'm currently working on. Sure. Yeah. There's another cute answer, and I use that for other interviews. I say others, other pieces will get mad at me. Right. So I'm jealous. Well, how does it influence your prep? Does it influence your preparation at all? If you're a lot. for each of those situations. Of course, the rehearsal process. Uh, think about the circles of attention mm -hmm. when you go and. You're scheduled to play a solo recital in Nancy. So there's the unknown and the known. Mm. So the known is 
much greater because the uh, if I know my program well enough, yeah. it really doesn't matter what piano. It right. doesn't matter what time of day. Yeah. It doesn't matter what audience. <laughs> I mean, it does, but I'm bringing with me the program yeah. complete. Yeah. You know where that's going. Yeah. So collaborations are different. Yeah. And they call for different preparations for yeah. sure. You can play. I mean, I would completely fire a student if they do it, but uh, I'm sure they do it. They just don't tell me. Pop in a CD and try to keep up with the CD of the piece that you're scheduled to play with the string quartet. Mm -hmm. Because that'll give you an idea how, where, where you do what and yeah. how you do different. Then you make markings in your score and you talk it through yeah. when you're first rehearsing. When rehearsing, yeah. So especially for like the the instruments that are you know single part yeah. instruments or singers, that's a much better developed area. Yeah. For pianists, they're hunched over their keys. They're solitary creatures. <laughs> when they're thrown in like in a chamber situation, many of them can't count. They're completely idiots when it comes <laughs> to, uh, like a chamber music. So yeah. it really has to be uh, a whole different ballgame that yeah. requires different education, right? different prep. Orchestra, another... Well, again, I talked to, you know, Pletnyov, another iconic figure in the piano world, I'm sure you know. So I say, you know, Brahms Piano Concerto Number 2. How do I get better at this with orchestra? He says, well, you know, first 50 times is a hit or miss. <laughs> then it gets better. And I'm like, you son of a gun. I mean, I may get like two chances in my lifetime to play it. Right. You just ruined it for me. But, you know, he's right. Yeah. He's right. It's just you can't uh, simulate uh, that experience. Right. You just have to earn it. Yeah. Are you, a, I, I'm imagining, well, I know you're, you have a highly developed ear. Like, are you able to hear, like if someone hires you to do a, 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 a new work, a commissioned work or something, are you able to hear it and, and approximate it from listening or? Yeah, I really... could approximate it from the score. I, I can, I mean, look at the score and hear it. Just see it and then... Yes. Yeah. Seeing ear and hearing eye is the ultimate goal. Yeah. And it's a good concept to have in mind. But, like, if I'm in front of the orchestra without a score, I could close my eyes and see the score, too. Right. That's... I thought that was normal, <laughs> you know? Do you prefer to play without music in front of you? You know, again, if I'm worried about the text, I would definitely rather have music in me or in me, in front of me, <laughs> right? Than to worry about it. Yeah. Back in the days when I was attending the church, uh, there was one pastor. He said, "It's better to." sit down and think about God 
than to stand in the church and think about your sore legs, sore feet. <laughs> so, I mean, I take it in each individual case. Yeah. And I never make a secret if, you know, especially if it's, you know, a chamber music. Uh, the pianist, I don't want to brag, but the pianist has to see everybody's part and yeah. follow each, uh, everybody's yeah. part. Yeah. So it's like, cool. you know sailing the ship, you know, in the mm -hmm. right direction kind of thing. Right. Right. Gosh. Um, Holy moly. I know. The time goes by fast, right? So um, I, what's on, can you give us a few things that are on your bucket list pieces that, that are, you haven't done that you really want to do? It changes. Um, and then again, no, wait, that's a commitment. I'm no, not going I'm just, to, like, just, no, okay, if I just... sound it out, then other on my bucket list will get, you almost, almost had me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Whew. That was a close one. <laughs> okay. You know, but enough. really, um, I do update it quite often. Right. And sadly, there are pieces nowadays which I realize I won't be able to play or won't have time to learn. Mm -hmm. Do you go ahead? Sorry, I didn't mean to. I'm not gonna tell you which ones. Okay. Do you play ragtime? Yeah. Can you play like Scott Joplin? Sure. Did you ever play that? Yeah. <laughs> and guess what? I always have a student who uh, came into a classical education because they wanted to play ragtime. Wow. I had uh, perspectives to the heat. Oh, he ditched me. He's now at um, a much, you know, more famous institution doing his doctorate. But he was like a three-time ragtime champion of California or something. There apparently there are some championships, oh, and right. playoffs, right. Or playouts, whatever. <laughs> ragtime champ. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. He was great. He was great, and we had a great relationship. In retrospect, he's probably. Oh, this was heartbreaking, too. He was from Paradise, California, too. Oh. So he lost everything. Oh, no. But because people saw his talent, like, he got a grand piano donated to him. Oh. He never had a grand piano before. So, And then he gets to live for free where he is, you right. know, and that's an expensive area of yeah. Southern California. So he's doing well, and I think his playing is deeper now. Yeah. Also because he's older, but because he's seen some true tragedy. Yeah, some hardship. So we're uh, being enriched um, sometimes at the at the high price. Yeah. So yes, to rack time, I <laughs> to swing or not to swing the rack time, you know. Right. I. Mostly don't swing, and I swing where, it's, where, where it calls for it, yeah. really. Yeah. Because that's how I feel. And I've been corrected, <laughs> quote-unquote, and people are like, you're Russian, you have no business playing that time. I'm like, well, I have Why ears, not? you know? Yeah. That's and awesome. And, you know, you're 20 years old. You cannot play what Brahms wrote at 50. Ha! Until you're 50. <laughs> And vice versa. Right. Stop putting me in those situations, you know, right. kind of thing. Anyway. 
what is what's inspiring you right now? What's inspiring you these days? Um, I struggle to remember the moments when I was not inspired by listening to good music. Mm. And this is also probably crazy, but I mean, that was Dostoevsky. Oh, I said, I exceeded my quota of quotes. No? <laughs> you went over. <laughs> so the beauty will save the world. Yeah. And it irks me when people say, oh, that was beautiful. Because if I play like Prokofiev's Seventh Sonata, which is ugly as hell, <laughs> that's not beautiful. But if they say it was deeply moving yeah. or I was petrifying yeah. or hair raising or the roof right. just suddenly disappeared. Um, there are performances that I peruse and performances that I hope to create one day. I am... Mm very much driven by that notion. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say... Um, again, I, I I wish I said that. Somebody else said that. Uh, they said... Um, um, now I'm going to get it wrong. But they say... Um, you see something and uh, a landscape and then you hear music because landscapes create music. Mm. And he said, uh, I think it's the other way around. Mm. I see a music and that will create a landscape, you know? Right. So depending on how you hone your ear, but they're equally potent and powerful uh, you know, so I don't limit myself to listening to piano music or music in general. Or right. music is vast. Yeah. Oh. What are you listening to Rachmaninoff. these days? <laughs> uh, I mean, his quote. Sorry. Oh, right. yeah. This is, I promise, the last quote. <laughs> Rachmaninoff said, uh, there's enough good music for a lifetime. Unfortunately, there's not enough lifetime for good music. For good music, so, yeah. I talk to colleagues, they say, never again a Beethoven fifth. I just don't have enough minutes in my life to hear Beethoven fifth because I think I know how it goes by now. <laughs> and I don't know if I can agree with that necessarily mm -hmm. because there is a reason it stands out. Yeah. And there is a commercial reason, but... There's just a purely humanistic, human reason. Yeah. We need to hear that music. Yeah. So it's inspiring. It's like an endless source of inspiration, mm. I think. Awesome. What, if you could go back to that young Alex. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh maybe coming out of the military or sometime in that period, if, if you could sit down and have a conversation with him, is there anything you'd want to, you'd want to tell him? Well, for sure. <laughs> but 
you know, aside from the things like listen to your mother <laughs> or listen to your gut feeling, um, be true to yourself. You know, it's amazing how far you can get if you stay on course. Mm. I see in my colleagues and my students, they change directions. <laughs> and, I mean, it's good uh, because trying new things is one thing. But, no, what I'm saying, I have a concert next month. I should play Beethoven Sonata. And then the next week I see them, no, no, it's going to be all Chopin. And then three <laughs> weeks later, you know what, that doesn't speak to me. Right. You're going to disappoint <laughs> your fans yeah. big time. And I don't want to come across as stodgy. There's, you know, a presenter says, you know, my in-laws died in a car crash yesterday. Could you play something to honor their memory? Whatever. Sure. I'm willing to change the program. Yeah. Because I feel the emotion mm. at, at the moment, in the moment. But uh, really, <laughs> there was a movie, I, I'm like, the last person. I've seen like 12 movies in my entire life. <laughs> I'm not a movie guy. Okay. But um, Tom Hanks played um, uh, Forrest Gump. Yeah, yeah. So what's the message in that movie? Because like if like older Tom Hanks could see the younger Tom Hanks, what kind of advice? Right. He stayed himself, basically. Yeah. I'm very proud... You know, probably I could have been, you know, in New York or in Moscow and be snobbish about my uh, chosen few students and charge yeah. them a thousand dollars an hour for, you know, yeah. lessons. The sage. Uh, would I be happier? I don't think so. Mm. So plus getting there requires more sacrifice and probably stepping on somebody's toes and yeah. occasionally throats. And this is not what I would want to be kept awake at nights over. Right. So I'm very happy where I am. Awesome. And it's not over yet, yeah. I don't think. What's coming up for you? What Do you have any events or or live streams or anything coming up well i hear there's a podcast <laughs> you know yes there's um, this i'm on my way to a retirement community to play in front of the cameras and they will play the recorded concert actually the it's a live one okay so there's um from other things well, everything's on on hold, yeah. you know. Yeah. If you tell me when the thing is going to be over, uh, I give you more detail. Sure. But um, I am preparing for a solo with the orchestra in the middle of December. Mm -hmm. And the orchestra is now looking for ways to make it happen. Which orchestra? Well, I haven't signed the contract okay. yet. But it's it's out of state. Okay. Good orchestra, Again, I have a history. Again, that's so good. If you're yourself, if you're not trying to pretend to be somebody you're not, right. you're likely to get re-invited. So this yeah. orchestra be my like fifth time playing with them. Nice. 
Nice. Yes. So I don't think I undermine other people's work. I don't charge less or more. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, great. But if they're struggling and they can't afford to hire me, I'll offer to do it for free in a heartbeat. Wow. Why? Because the music needs to sound. It needs mm. to happen. And I was very fortunate to still to have a day job. Yeah which is, again, very much music-related, but one feeds the other. Yeah. And it becomes a responsibility to share what you know. I know it sounds pathetic. No, it Give doesn't. Give me a moment. I think I'm going to cry. <laughs> no, I am over it. <laughs> so. Awesome. Well, Alex, um, thank you so much for your generosity and spending some time with me and coming on the show. It's been a, a real pleasure to s talk with you and... Um, I hope that uh, your performance and your travels come back sooner rather than later. Sure. We all hope for that. I wish all the best to your project, which is awesome. Thanks for having me, for the patience with me, and today and always. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, of course, best of luck to all of my colleagues. We always have to remind people mm. that the music will save the world mm. and that um, we we are the community. We should really speak with each other yeah. more often. Awesome. When other ways to communicate fail, <laughs> try words. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Hey everyone, it's Steve again. Thanks so much for being here. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Playful Musician. Head on over to our website, theplayfulmusician.com. We've been updating it with content from past shows and making it a little more user-friendly. I hope you enjoy it. And remember, stay active. Let your voice be heard. Remember to get out and vote as early as possible this year. Your vote really matters. Have a great week. We'll see you again soon. Take care.